Thank you, Lord. And I pray that, uh, Lord, today that you would remind us of what Christmas is all about. I pray that you would fill this place with your presence. Lord, that every heart, Lord, would be touched by the reality of your love, the reality of your goodness. And every heart would be open to the gifts that you want to pour out. And so, Lord, even right now, we just, uh, we just come before you and we, we thank you and we open our hearts to receive what you have for us today, what you want to say to us right now. We open our hearts to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, go ahead and uh, take a seat, if you will. And uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is David. I'm the pastor here. And I want to share with you this morning briefly about uh, one of the main reasons for Christmas, one of the main purposes. I want to remind us today as we head into uh, Christmas a few days from now, I'm, personally, I'm pretty excited. I love Christmas, and I love singing these songs, uh, Christmas songs, because they remind us of who Jesus is and what he's done. If you have a Bible, you can turn me to John chapter 1, but I wouldn't worry about it too much. We're going to put the scriptures up here on the screen. I know maybe you got a fork in one hand, and, and, uh, or maybe you're all done, I don't know. But in, uh, in John chapter 1, uh, the Gospel of John tells us who Jesus is and why he came. And the, uh, and the Gospel, it reads this way, starting in verse 11. He, referring to Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave them the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, Jesus, he's the word, he's the son of God who existed forever. John chapter one says that he was God and was with God. And then God the father sent his son into the world sent his son, and the word, as we know, the word became flesh. Jesus became a human being who was born of a virgin, as we were just singing. But I love this verse because it tells us why he came. That even though when he was born, he was born in a, 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 like I said, he was born of a a peasant family in in modern-day Israel, but honestly, it was the the backwoods of the Roman Empire. He was born in a stable, and, and, and nobody recognized for the most part, who he was, except some shepherds and magi who came and visited him. But so much of the world has missed that this is God's son who's come to reconcile us back to God. And it says that so, so many, even though the world was made through Jesus, when he came, so many have missed who he is. And yet it says here, it says, but as many as received him, as many as received him, that those people who saw that this is God's son, and as many up to to this day who put their trust in Jesus, it says this is what he does, that he gives them the right to become children of God. Children of God. See, that's really, in so many ways, that is the reason that we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus, Because God sent his son to bring us back to God the Father, to reconcile us to God, and to bring us home to the Father. That's amazing, isn't it? 
that Father God loves us so much that he would give his only son because he wants us back. A lot of times people think that God is distant or he's angry, but he's not. The Bible says that he's good, that he's gracious, that he's compassionate, that he's slow to anger, and he's rich in love and faithfulness. Hundreds of prophecies from the Old Testament were fulfilled in Jesus coming to earth, in dying for our sin, and then rising again on the third day, all to accomplish one thing, to bring us back to Father God. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, meaning that he was born of the Jewish people, that the Messiah, the Savior, came through the Jewish people. He says, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. What would it, what is it like when God is your father? See, that's the desire of God. That's why he created us. That's why he sent his son, because he wants to be our dad, a good dad who loves us, What's it like to have God as Father? What's it like to live in the Father's house, to be adopted as sons and daughters of Father God, to be God's kids? It's an awesome thing. And there are hundreds of scriptures, hundreds of promises in the Bible that tell us what it's like to be a kid, a child of God. Hundreds of promises and statements in the Bible from people that describe the blessings of what it looks like and feels like to receive his love and to live in his house. You know, sadly, many people just don't know how good God really is and what he wants to give people. Sadly, many Christians even who read their Bible don't even realize just how much God wants to give them. And they often live so far below what God wants to give them. Let me just go through a number of prophecies or promises, I, I should say, in the Bible real quick to just give you a real quick uh, encouragement that God has so much for you. Even starting here in Ephesians 1.3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When it says that we're in Christ, it means that through trusting in Jesus, we've come into the Father's house. And it says that in him, every spiritual blessing, everything we need, everything that God wants to give us is there, available to us because we're in Christ. He goes on and says, just as he, God, chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of, of the glory of his grace, by which he has accepted us in the beloved. Boy, there's a lot there, but let me just unpack that. That God chose us in Christ because he loves us? That now that we're his, we're accepted in the beloved? That we're accepted? That we're loved? And here it says that we stand before him holy and without blame. See, when someone puts their trust in Jesus, he washes us of all of our sin. There's things that maybe have been done to you that make you feel so 
disgusting or shameful. And the Lord wants you to know that he comes not only to forgive us of our sin, but to wash us and to bring healing to those areas of our life. Before the Lord, you are blameless. In the Father's house, he washes you. He cleans, cleans you up. And he delivers you from that stuff that makes you feel disqualified. There is no shame in the Father's house, but there is love. You are holy and without blame in Father's house. Can you imagine what it was like to be living in a home like that? Some of you have never experienced a home where you'd feel safe and loved and beautiful, pure. See, that's what Father wants to do. Listen to this. In John chapter 8, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Did you hear that? See, sin is what separates us from God. Sin brings bondage into our life. Things like greed, lust, bitterness, unforgiveness, these are the things that brings, bring brokenness and bondage into our relationship with God and other people. And yet, what did Jesus say? That sin, it brings bondage, but it also keeps people from being in the Father's house. And yet he said that those who trust in Jesus, they come into the Father's house. Jesus makes us sons and daughters of God so that we can abide in Father's house forever. God promises unconditional love. He promises, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, that's a commitment, isn't it? That for all eternity, he will never grow tired of us. You know, 10,000 years from now, we're in heaven, and he does, he's not going to say, man, just, jeez, so annoyed by you. Just get out of here, right? Never, never, but every day, full of delight and full of love and committed to us for eternity so that we can abide in the house of Father God forever. Romans 8 says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And then did you hear what Jesus said? If the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. There are some of us that struggle with certain sins that have been bondage to you. And what is, do you hear what Jesus is saying? In the Father's house, there is freedom. Freedom. Victory over those sins, over those things that have kept you stuck in things in your life. In the Father's house, there is Forgiveness, there is acceptance, there is love, and there is freedom. Listen to a few more. Listen to this. Not only are you a son or a daughter of God when you come to, to God through Jesus, but we're heirs. We inherit all of those spiritual blessings. It says that if God is for us, who can be against us in Romans 8? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with us freely give us all things? Or in 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. What this is saying is that because we're in Jesus, all of the promises of God, all of the things that God has said in his word that are available to us, we have access to them. Luke chapter 12, Jesus said the Father delights to give you the kingdom. Delights. To give you the kingdom. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. If he gave his only son so that you and I could come back to God, how much more would he give you everything you need? Everything. And let me tell you, I don't have time, nor do you, for me to go over all the promises of God 
that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus today. All of the promises of God. He promises to be faithful to us and fulfill those things in our life. Even listen to this one in Philippians chapter four. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The Lord promises that in the Father's house, he will take care of us and provide for our needs. There is no reason to ever live in lack when we live in the Father's house. Look at, listen to Psalm 34. This is King David. This is somebody who's lived in the Father's house. He says this in Psalm 34. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall lack no good thing. In the Father's house, there's no lack. There is no lack in God's kingdom. There is no lack. Even financially, the Lord promises to take care of all of our needs. Did you hear what it said? That there is no want to those who fear him, to those who put their trust in him, walk in his ways. That's what it means to fear him. No lack. Or even Exodus 23, 25. Listen to this. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and he will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. These are promises in the word of God that God makes to those people who would trust in him. Do you hear what it says? If you'll serve me, he says, I will take sickness from the midst of you. I will heal diseases in you. One of the reasons why Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says, by his stripes, we are healed. That in the Father's house, there's healing. There's freedom. There's forgiveness. There's wholeness. I could go on and talk more about God's love. The fact that we have peace with God so that he's not angry with us anymore, but he delights in us. The fact that there's joy. Psalm 16 says that because the author says, because I've set the Lord before me, he says, my body is at rest. I shall not be moved. And there's fullness of joy in his presence. See, in the, in the Father's house, there's this peace. There's a confidence. And there's a joy that brings rest to us. We don't need to worry. And we don't need to fear anymore in the Father's house. You know, a lot of times when I, when I share these promises with people, even though they're yes and amen in Christ Jesus, so often people feel like, man, that's just too good to be true. Or our experience doesn't line up with that. Our experience sometimes doesn't line up with what it says in the Word. But that's why He gave us the Word. Did you know that? Because his word is an invitation to trust him and to believe him rather than our experience. And so often I read those kinds of promises and many a times we just don't feel worthy. We feel disqualified. Let me share a story with you about a young boy named Mouse. That's what they called him. He was a young boy who grew up on the streets. He actually didn't know his real name, nor did he know who his mom and dad were. He grew up alone. He didn't even know what a bath was. 
what a kitchen was or a couch. To him, a bed was a dirty floor. A blanket was a cardboard box. And a house was just something you weren't allowed to enter into. He reasoned to himself that he was unwanted. Like the trash that he rummaged through, he felt he had been thrown away. Mouse reasoned he wasn't worthy of a home or a family. He'd never known what a hug was. The only touches that he'd ever received were other boys hitting him, store owners grabbing him and kicking him when he tried to steal. Mouse was always hungry. He had never known the sensation of being full. And he was always sad. He had never experienced joy. One cold winter day, a young man walked up to Mouse while he was rummaging through a trash can. Hi, my name's Joseph. What's yours? Mouse looked up at him and said, My name's Mouse. Joseph said, Nice to meet you, Mouse. Would you like to come home with me? Have some food? Mouse thought for a little while. Okay. So Joseph and Mouse went off to Joseph's house. When they arrived at Joseph's house, Mouse was totally overwhelmed. A number of boys and girls came running out to meet him. They looked clean, happy, and they were kind. They embraced him and they welcomed him. And they took him by the arm and said, Come here, we'll, we'll take you upstairs. First, Mouse hesitated, not feeling like he could go into the house, but the The kids urged him to come in. He didn't feel like he had a choice, so he went with them. Once inside, he felt warm air. And he realized for the first time how cold his hands were. He smelt something sweet in the air that he'd never smelt before. It smelt so wonderful. They took him upstairs, and the, the other boys showed him where the bathroom was. And showed him a, a, a bath that had been made and they let him take a bath. It was the greatest feeling he'd ever felt. And then after that, they showed him some clean clothes and he got dressed. And they, then they took him downstairs to the kitchen. And there before Mouse, something he'd never seen. Whole table full of kitchen and everyone pulled up the, the chairs and, and everyone started eating dinner together. Other boys and girls and Mouse and And Joseph and his wife Marie were there, and they were all laughing and talking and passing food. Nobody was stealing, nobody was hoarding. But please, can you can you please pass the butter? Can I have more rolls, please? Thank you very much. To to Mouse, it was like a dream. Everything just felt like, when am I going to wake up? And of course, Mouse ate as much as he could till his stomach was hurting. And after dinner, the other kids went off and played, and Joseph and Marie came up to Mouse and, and asked him, did you, did, you like the, did you like the bath and the, and the new clothes? Did you like dinner? And, and Mouse said, yeah, thank you, thank you, I, I did. And uh, Joseph and Marie uh, said to him, uh, asked him, would you, would you like to stay the night? And, um, and explained 
the mouse. They said, this is an orphanage that Joseph and Marie, we, we run. And these other boys and girls, they don't have parents, and we're, we're here to love them and take care of them. We'd like for you to stay with us tonight. And honestly, Mouse had no idea what they were saying. He didn't know what an orphanage was. He didn't really understand what they were saying. But he understood that they were inviting him to stay the night. <clears throat> and Mouse said, well, no, no thank you, ma'am. No thank you to Marie. And as he was about to leave, Marie went over to him and gave him a big hug and handed him a bag of food. And with a tear in her eye, she knelt down and she said to him, he said, wouldn't you just stay the night? Didn't, didn't you enjoy being here? And Mouse thought about it for a second. He'd never, he'd never experienced such love. He'd never experienced a warm bath. He'd never experienced a real bed. And he thought, well, that might be nice. But then fear came over him dropped his head. He said, but, but I'm not like the other kids. I'm just a street kid, he said. I'm a no-good scoundrel. Good for nothing. Joseph and Marie looked at each other because they'd heard those words before. They knew that Mouse had grown up hearing those words. Joseph knelt down next to Marie, and he looked Mouse in the eyes and with a very gentle but strong voice. He said, you listen to me. You are a good and special boy. We'd love for you to stay here. All the other boys and girls, they came from the streets too. They felt the same way you feel right now. But do they seem happy? Mouse said, well, yes. And Joseph said to him, wouldn't you just stay one night? What's the worst that could happen? And Mouse said, but, but I don't belong. And Joseph said, but you do belong here. Would you please stay the night? And finally, Mouse said, okay. Ten years later, you wouldn't recognize him. Paul, kind-hearted man, Changed his name to Stefan. Studying at the State University to be an engineer. His life was transformed because he chose to stay the night. See, a lot of us can't relate to Mouse in the sense that we don't feel physically hungry. But a lot of us, we can relate to Mouse because a lot of us feel spiritually empty. Many of us, when we hear about things like God's promises and God's love and peace and joy, we say, that sounds nice, but I have no idea what you're talking about. And many times, even when we experience or hear the good news, we feel disqualified or unworthy or like we don't belong. Many of us are like mouse, where we'd rather embrace the, the familiar and take the risk to receive all that God has for us. For you, it might be, maybe you never grew up in a safe home. 
Maybe you never grew up with a parent or a parent that said they were proud of you. Maybe you grew up never experiencing the presence of God. Maybe you've been dealing with loneliness, depression, self-hatred. Maybe there's some bondage in your life that you just would love to get free from, but I think a lot of times people live with those things for so long that they think it's normal. They think that's what we must have been made for. So many people, they just figure, I'm not worthy of God's love. Or they just figure, that's the way you do things. Sometimes bad things happen to people and they just say, well, God must have had a good purpose for that. But they don't realize, the scriptures say in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus said, but I have come that you would have life and life abundantly. Sin is what has brought brokenness to this world and brokenness to this life, not God. Jesus came to restore us, to heal us, to set us free, and to give us life abundantly, meaning that we would have life to the fullest, living life the way God has called us to live and intended us to live, not just receiving those blessings, but finding purpose and meaning. It's really that sense of unworthiness or that lie that God is distant or angry that would keep us from God. And see, my prayer for you today and my hope is that you would see how much God loves you. That you would open your heart to Father God and that you would receive all that He has for you. And I'll tell you, it doesn't stop today. (laughs) The Lord has been speaking to me about 2014 and I know for us as a church... 2014 is going to be a year of breakthrough, freedom, of victory. I was sensing from the Father, God was putting on my heart that this whole year, Father God, our dad wants to lavish us with Christmas gifts all year. He wants us not to settle for anything less than all that he died for and all that he created us for. He wants to pour out those blessings on us. And we're going to learn about these promises. We're going to learn about his heart for us, and we're going to experience the Lord pouring out these things upon us, I'll tell you, all year. This is what God wants to do. And so that's my prayer for you, that, that whether, whether you know him or whether maybe you've never come to know God yet, that you would open your heart to the Father, that you would receive his love, and that you would believe that these promises are for you, that they are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And I pray that as we head towards Christmas that we wouldn't just rush on through, but that we'd remember that this is why Jesus came, to bring us back to the Father. Michelle, can you lead us in response?